Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Ajay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Hello and welcome. This is The Unveiling, and this is going to be episode 65, and the title is Forgiveness of Sin. Gloriofsky, guys, we finally got out of Galatians. Yes, and <laughs> it was a win. We joke about it, but I my life was changed by that book. So no, I, I I do joke about it because I think we had thought when we started we'd just take you know five or six episodes and be done. But uh, Tim, I got maybe... a quick question. I got a quick question for you though. Sorry to interrupt. Now, what is Glorioski? Is that the original Greek? I've never heard that before. I think it's Ar- Aramaic. Oh, Aramaic? Yeah, <laughs> or maybe Joseph of Arimathea said it. And that's I'm, I'm mixing all of that together. It's my own <laughs> language. Arimathea. I love it. I love it. Keep it coming. So, no, but uh, it was. It was a fabulous discussion. Just went longer than we expected. So we make jokes. We make jokes. Yes. But anyway, here we are again tonight, guys. All of us here. And tonight, like I said, we're going to be talking about forgiveness of sin. And... For a little behind-the-curtain sneak peek at what goes on around here, we have a list of things that we put together as topics to discuss about that we go look at once in a while. And when we looked uh, for this week's episode, this one came up, and I looked out on our list, and Ajay, you had suggested this, so I thought I should have the honor, I should give you the honor of opening up tonight's discussion and let us know which direction we're headed. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Uh Good to see you both. Uh, well, you know, I did bring up this topic uh, because I've been thinking about this lately. And as you look into the Bible and the gospel, right, you realize that the forgiveness of sins is at the heart of the gospel. I think many of us do not give a lot of attention to it, but uh, Bible, you know, if you look at the scriptures, and I wanted us to kind of quickly look at the gospel as it was first preached in the Acts of Apostles by Paul and Peter, I want to quickly, you know, look at the gospel preached, and then, you know, I will probably throw it back to you for your comments. Uh, The very first gospel that was preached on the day of Pentecost, it is by Peter in Acts 2. I'm going to read a couple of verses in Acts 2.22. Men of Israel, hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in the midst as you yourself also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. And and then he goes on to, uh, in verse 30, he says, uh, actually uh, in um, verse 32, it says, you know, here we see, you know, Jesus was crucified and in verse 32, he talks of the resurrection. This God has raised up, of which we all are witnesses, and therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you see and hear. In verse 32, you know, he talks about the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. And then when it comes to the proclamation of the gospel, right, you know, or the call of the gospel is this in verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins or for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here the call is repent is basically change your mind regarding 
our Lord Jesus Christ and regarding how you view God. And then you'll be baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and you will receive the remission of sins. And after you receive the remission of sins, right, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is in Acts 2. And if you go to Acts 13 real quick, uh, or Acts 10, again, Peter talking, uh, speaking in the um, house of Cornelius, he talks about the same thing. He talks about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, you know, death could not hold him then. He was raised from the dead. And then the call is the same, right? In Acts uh, chapter uh, uh, 10 and verse 43, it says, To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the forgiveness of sins. Through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell, up, fell upon them who heard the word. You know, it is so... I mean, for me, it is like, uh, you know, so uh, striking that sometimes, you know, we think, you know, we have to ask for the Holy Spirit, you know, we have to do this and that for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Here, as they heard it, while they, Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. So the moment you believe in the forgiveness of sins, Holy Spirit falls on us or embraces us. And this is Paul, this is Peter. But again, when we go to the gospel preached by Paul, in Acts chapter 13 and verse um, verse 40, uh, are actually uh, verse 38. And Peter also, he talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then he proclaims the gospel. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So as you can see, the first gospel, actually, in fact, these are the word-to-word -word recorded sermons of Paul and Peter. If we ever wonder what they preached, it is right here. And we can take this as a template for preaching of our gospel as well, because that is a gospel. And the reason, you know, why the forgiveness of sins is at the heart of the gospel is, as we all know, as we have been discussing, right, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So unless our sins are forgiven, God cannot give life to us. And not only that, you know, the every human being knows that they are sinners. And the cry of every human being's heart is forgiveness of sins, whether they know it or not. And the gospel comes to us. It, that is amazing. Uh, uh, think about the gospel, you know, it comes to us offering to us what we need the most. It's like for a hungry person, it's like, you know, a person who is searching for food and then you give him good food, right? That's all the gospel is. The whole humanity is searching for forgiveness because we know we have sinned and we are full of guilt and condemnation. And unless we know that our sins are forgiven for good, we cannot be delivered from guilt and condemnation. And, and the gospel comes and says, hey, your sins are forgiven and you are forgiven because of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the heart of the gospel. You know, I think it's very important to understand that Gospel is all about the forgiveness of sins. Those are awesome points, Ajay. I want to take one step even further back than that, and that is that if you don't believe there's a God, and if there is no God, then you really can't make a case that, that we're sinners. So you got to kind of start from the existence of God. If you're out there now, you don't believe God exists, we could do an, you know probably 20 podcasts on that, but I just want to say, common sense 
You know, nothing comes from nothing. No, no matter how much you multiply nothing by time and chance, you still get nothing. In fact, time and chance don't exist if there's nothing. So we're starting from the fact that God exists and that he created us. And if we are created beings, then that very relationship means we owe him obedience. The one who creates the creature has got a right to tell them how they should act. And in scripture over and over tells us, and it's not trying to single people out, but it's saying all mankind have this same sin problem. Apostle Paul quoted the prophet saying, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks after God. And, and so that's where we're starting from. There is a God who has created us. And once you come to that understanding, then you realize we have not fulfilled his expectations of us, which he has every right to place upon us. So we are in desperate need of a savior which, by the way, he supplied for us because of his loving and gracious nature. So can I take another step laterally from that, Mark, and say, sure. let's just talk for just a minute about what first is sin. Now, I we all kind of assume that everybody knows what sin is, and uh, I don't, you know, I, maybe if we can give it a quick definition of something. I mean, I've been evangelized too by people who will start off their evangelism by going, have you ever taken a pen from work? You're a thief. You're a sinner. You need Jesus. And, you know, I'm, yeah, everyone's walked off with a pen from work or something ridiculously simple like that. But we are talking about a, we are talking about a measure of perfection, which is what is expected for us to be able to be in a perfect relationship with God. And we can't meet that standard. And, you know, I think in the Greek, uh, the term for sin is literally uh, translated as missing the mark. So if our mark is perfection, not one of us can live up to that mark. And therefore, we cannot have that relationship with Jesus Christ or God the Father or even the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, I just want to start there. And if you guys have anything to add to that, I would just add that I think all of us have our own set of rules and standards. At one time or another, we do something that we regret, that even was below our own personal standards. I mean, we've all hurt somebody or done something stupid to hurt ourselves. Or Now just imagine if we can't even keep our own creed, our own uh, code, let's put it that way. God's code is like higher than that than the heavens are over the earth. And no man has ever met that standard other than the Lord Jesus Christ, which actually qualified him to be our Savior and our sacrifice for our sin. Yeah, so Tim, you know, if I can, I also wanted to uh, actually go back a little further or a little, I don't know what's the right word, right? But a little more back than that. And I want to go all the way to the garden to understand what sin is and how we ended up in this situation. Uh, Bible clearly says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. In fact, I think it's interesting that we really don't need to be explained what sin is. When we sin, we know because we have a conscience. And when we do something wrong, it is wrong. I think it's not so much about, hey, I did something wrong. Okay, I did, uh, uh, did not do what I'm supposed to do. 
But the more uh, a deeper problem of humanity is why I did not do what I'm supposed to do, right? So there is this built-in inability in all of us to do what is right and a built-in default ability, to, so to speak, to commit sin. Nobody has to teach a kid how to lie. I, nobody actually in my life told me how to sin, to be honest. Did someone tell you how to sin? I just sinned. <laughs> Somehow I learned how to sin and started sinning. So, And when we try to do good, we end up doing bad. So this built-in inability is what is our problem more than, hey, I'm supposed to do this, but I did not do that. So to your point, uh, uh, Tim, you said, yeah, I took a pen from work, right? You know, what's the big deal? Nobody really suffered out of it. But the thing is, why did I even do that? You know, that's our problem. Um, so in Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. So when Adam and Eve ate of, out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we all died. So our nature became corrupt. So in the garden, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but quickly by way of summary, in the garden, there are two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of life is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ himself. So they could have taken part of the tree of life and have been partaken of Lord Jesus Christ himself and then be in communion and live by the life of Jesus or they could partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and die and then become corrupt nature. So that's what happened. Um, the choice is you live by the life of Christ or you live on your own. By So what man essentially said when he partake, partake of the knowledge of good and evil is, I will know what is good and I will know what is bad and I'm going to avoid the bad and I'm going to do the good. That's what he is saying. But the problem is the moment man ate out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, his nature became corrupt and he died. So there's no way he can do good because that's what the moment he ate of the tree, death came upon mankind. So basically the core of our sin is it's not so much, oh yeah, there is something I'm supposed to do, but I'm not doing. But the thing is, my whole nature has become corrupt. And instead of being uh, reigned by the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are being reigned by death. So death begets death. Death produces death. So that's why humanity, you know, whatever we try to do, how much good we want to be, there's a stamp of death on whatever we do. You know, that's what our problem is. That's what we have become sinful. The whole humanity is like that. So that's why, you know, people come up with a lot of rules and regulations and morals and, you know, building these ideal communities, but they won't work because at the core, our heart is sinful. We have no ability to do good. Yeah, I'd like to touch upon... There's a certain contingent of people in the world that, I mean, it probably stemmed from the existential philosophers who say there is no sin, there's no good, there's no evil, all is relative. And the reason they say that is because they start from the premise that there is no God. But the fact that there is good and evil in the world, and we all know it, proves that there is a God, because if there's no God, there is no good or evil. That's why even the most staunch existential philosopher, you go up to them and steal their wallet, <laughs> they're going to say, hey, that's not fair. You know, they're going to be mad because you just did bad to them. Well, wait a minute, Mr. Existential Philosopher. Literally put your money where your mouth is. I'm taking your wallet. You know, so there are many fine academic and philosophical 
exercises out there, but I think we all know in the core of our hearts, in, in, in our bed at night when it's dark and we're laying there, we're just thinking, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we know sin exists, exists in the world. There's good and evil. And God is good, sin is evil. You know, another modern thought about it is, hey, I'm a pretty good person. I don't need God. I'm a pretty good person. Well, that's great. And in many cases, there are people out there I would absolutely agree with you. Look to me on the outside like a pretty good person. But that's not the standard. The standard is perfection. And if we can't meet perfection, then as the Bible, and I think you said that you already quoted, I.J., is the, the, the wages of sin is of death. That means we don't, if we miss the mark of perfection, we're going to die. And there's only one solution to that. That's a great point, Tim. We are not graded on a curve. Uh, we are called to perfectly fulfill all of God's commandments from birth to death. And, you know, that's a bit harder than being graded on the curve. But the great news is that those rules were never intended for you to perfectly follow. They were intended to show you that you can't perfectly follow, and that's why you need a Savior, and God provided that. Those rules were only a servant to the good news that God loves you, and he paid the price for those missings of the mark so that you can become his child. Simple faith, not what you do. Yeah, I want to drill in on the perfection a little bit. Uh, I think you quote this to all the time, you know, be you perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Again, you know, when we talk about perfection, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, perfection is not doing that, not doing this, not doing this. I didn't steal, I didn't. It's all, it's all about, you know, what I don't do. But the thing is, you know, when you think about God, what is he? It says God is love and God is perfect love. So in order to be perfect, we should be able to, or we should have the nature of God. We ought to love like God, you know, like God loves us. We ought to love one another like God loves us. We ought to love God, you know, that's where we miserably fail. You know, somebody can brag all day, yeah, I don't do this, I don't do that, I never committed adultery, oh, I didn't even look at a woman because I'm blind. But end of the day, uh, you, you, uh, you can't uh, love you, nobody can attest to the fact that, you know, I actually love one another. I actually love others like God loved me. There is no way we can do that. And that is a mark of perfection. Perfect love is the mark of perfection. And in fact, perfect love is perfect holiness. When you can perfectly love someone, you can be perfectly holy. Yeah, that's a great point, Ajay. Um, so we have established sin pretty well now, wouldn't you say, guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, so can we move on to the answer now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting depressed. Well, <laughs> you know, let's tackle it in the two parts, like IJ was saying. Let's make sure we understand how this, what this means to an unbeliever. Yes, then, yes. Okay. Flip it on its head and talk about how it affects a believer or it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, I think moving on to the answer, I'm going to go back to the, uh, go back to Romans chapter five again. This is one of my favorite verses. So, Paul, I don't want to read the whole thing, but if you read Romans chapter 5 from verse 12 till the end, Paul is establishing that through one man sin entered, entered the world, and through one man death came upon everybody, and through one man's disobedience, everybody make, makes, made, was made sinners. And the answer 
But RJ, was that Mark? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I was the one man that made everybody a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Mark, but you know, we, Adam, Adam. So I don't think we have anyone called Adam on our show, but yeah, through one man, Adam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the problem of humanity is because of one man, and the Bible says the answer is also through another man, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 17 is the answer, and what is the problem, right? Our problem is not so much, sin is not our problem. The Actually, our real problem is the consequence of sin, which is death. We all died. And if you don't, if you are dead, you know what life you can live. You know, we might be existing, but we are not really living. There's a big difference there. You know, people who do not have the life of Christ, they will exist through all eternity, but they're not really living the life that God created us for. So in verse 17, Romans 5, 17, it says, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So this is the gospel, right? Everything is here. Basically, it's saying it covers the entire spectrum of humanity. Through one man, death came. And through one man's sin, death came. And death is reigning over everybody, right? And how do we go from death to life? It's very easy. Through another man, we have this abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is another word for forgiveness because in Bible, forgiveness is not simply, oh yeah, I forgive you, forget about it. No, no. It's actually the word uses remission. That means removing. Sin is not attached to us anymore. So if sin is not attached to us, obviously we become righteous. So what the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ does is it takes away our sin and gives us a gift of forgiveness or gift of righteousness. And everyone who receives the gift of righteousness will reign in life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that is a gospel. So when we receive the gift, we are moved from death unto life. And before death was reigning over us, now we reign in life. That is the amazing uh, uh, transition that happens, the great exchange. Lord Jesus Christ took our sins upon the cross and he gives righteousness as a gift. And he took our death upon the cross and he gives life as a gift. And in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus, now we reign in life. Lest we give the impression that the Christian life is about sin, it is not. The, the fact is that Christ deals with our sin so perfectly that once we become believers, it is no longer the focus of our lives. We have been delivered utterly and uh, eternally from our sin. I want to read us a couple of scriptures here, if I may might. First is Psalm 103.8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Man, what, what a, you know, the, the cure for sin is so much more powerful than the problem. The answer just blasts it away. And we'll just be honest, and if you've listened to this podcast, we talk about this a lot, how so many that once they become believers, and this happens from the pulpit, from your, you know, everywhere, the focus remains on sin. 
we are completely and utterly delivered. Hebrews 8.13 says that uh, God will remember our sins and lawless acts no more. In Christ, God paid a huge price so that he would remember our sins no more. So when I walk around as a believer, just beating myself in condemnation and guilt and constantly telling God about my sin, as many churches even take time in every service to do, it's like, why am I reminding God of what he already paid a huge price to forget? <laughs> I don't want to do that, right? If, if I crashed my dad's car, if I drank a few beers and crashed his car, and he graciously forgave me, am I going to bring that up once a week? Hey, Dad, remember when I crashed the car? Man, was I bad. You know, that makes no sense so whatsoever. Once we come to Christ and have the forgiveness of sins, we are imputed the righteousness of Christ, and we are now children and heirs of God. Our, our focus is not sin. The only time we focus on it is as we come to Christ in the first place, because we need to acknowledge that we have a sin problem before we acknowledge that we need an answer to that as Savior. I just want to add one clarification and one comment. Ajay, you, you talked about life and death uh, from sin, and let's make sure we're clear. It's spiritual life and death. You're not we're all physically going to die. It doesn't matter their status as to whether we're believers or not, sinners or not. We're all going to physically die. It's what comes after that that we're talking about. And the quality of our physical life can be directly, and usually is directly impacted by our choice to follow Jesus and to you know, accept the forgiveness. It changes many, many aspects of our lives. And Mark, you mentioned, uh, would you keep bringing your sin, you know, your mistake up to your father? Uh, I once had a pastor ask me, he says, do you think you're better than God? To which I had no response, of course, except uh, of course not. He says, then if he chooses to forget your, forgive and forget your sin, why can't you? Why don't you? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We ask that to our listeners too, our believing listeners out there. God doesn't want you in guilt and condemnation. He did everything to take you out of it. Why would you stay there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I echo both of you here. Uh, so the forgiveness of sins, as we have just seen, right? You know, for those who do not have Christ, who not did not put their trust in Christ, they realize they are sinners, and then simply accept the forgiveness of sins, and then after that they become righteous. But I think what happened now, you know, turning to the believers' forgiveness of sin, I think what happened is, you know, most of the church they relegate the forgiveness of sins to the point of salvation. And there are two things, right? One uh, one um, camp believes that, okay, when you are saved, you know, God forgave the sins up till that point. And after being saved, every time you sin, you have to get fresh forgiveness. And the another camp, it's not the same thing, but right, you know, they think, okay, forgiveness of sins applied only to our salvation. But once we are saved, you know, it doesn't, uh, we don't really need it. So they just think, you know, forgiveness is ABC of salvation. But believers do not really need it. You know, but for both of them, right, the thing is, in the in the, in the the first camp, who are thinking that the forgiveness of sins is only for the past sins, you know, for them, what they do is, you know, after uh, being saved, you know, if you, um, 
if you sin again right you know they think you know you have to do something either you have to do penance you have to do confession or you have to go and do some uh, alms or do some kind of works right they put them back to works or they give some kind of a formula of confession and they say that you know oh, you need to get fresh forgiveness so that's what you know like mark you're saying you know again you know our focus is always on the sin until we understand that our sins are totally put away and all our sins are forgiven right we present and future yes past present and future even the sins that we did not commit it they were uh, taken away at the cross until we come to that point right our focus is constantly sin because in this body even though after we are saved we still sin every day you know we do one thing or other that is uh, considered sin and then the immediate question is okay i sin now how do i get forgiveness then they go back to one of these formulas or uh, rituals or works whatever you want to call it and then they are going on the treadmill right it's a bondage again you're sinning every day then you're trying to get forgiveness sinning every day trying to get forgiveness so you never have time to focus on the life side of things right on the righteousness side of things and actually living the life that we are called to live and actually proclaim the lord jesus christ to others we can never do that because our focus every day is okay i've sinned oh how do i get my forgiveness okay lord i'm going to confess and then you confess and within 5 minutes you sin again some wrong thought comes that's it you know you're going on this cycle forever so there is no liberty in uh, in uh, that kind of living i'm going to stop here before we go to the next point but i will ask you guys you know if you have any <laughs> comments to that i wanted to bring up a scripture we've we've conversed on many times i, I can't remember i think it's romans 6:14 it's in romans correct me if i'm wrong aj but it says for you are no longer under the dominion of sin because you are no longer under law but under grace that is right 6:14 yeah and then paul says and where there is no law there is no transgression just because we become a christian does not mean we don't ever make a mistake and screw up and miss a mark again but it's no longer a transgression against god Christ yeah. Jesus has taken every sin away and that's a major misunderstanding in the church why so many continue try to live and gain extra blessing and earn their own sanctification and righteousness by working and doing good deeds trying as hard as they can and failing and then being all guilty and condemned because hey I'm a Christian now I should know better well if you're a Christian you should know better that when Christ said it is finished he means all the work is finished and when paul said the righteous will live by faith from first to last that means there's no room in there for you to add to it and in galatians when paul said we start in the spirit and finish by the spirit spirit we don't add any works at all so just just a little side note there on just the completeness of our forgiveness once we come to christ the old testament yeah under the law The only way to gain forgiveness from our sins was through sacrifice and blood. That was the only way to have the effect of being forgiven of sin, the propitiation, the removal of sin from us. And then you'd walk out of the temple and you know, you start planning on being there again the next time because it it wasn't minutes before you'd already sinned again. You know, it was a uh, something you had to do over and over and over again and you know the the death resurrection burial resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross uh is 
the blood for all of us forever, oh, offered to every single human being, and once for all. Yes, it is in the Bible somewhere. I know one of you guys has that one handy. I don't remember where it is. It's in Hebrews, uh, I think, 10 or 9. Christ, uh, once yeah. for all. Yeah. So as a Christian, as a believer, I've received that once for all. I don't need to spend my days in guilt and penance and sacrifice to God to get my relationship with him right. Now, I may have some people I need to make up with because I may hurt people and do you know silly or stupid things, but with God, once I'm a believer and once my focus is right on him, that's it. I, I can... I can acknowledge to myself what I've done, pick up and keep moving on and not worry about it from that point. Yeah. I I heard an awesome illustration uh, over the weekend I want to share that I think is perfect here. I'll try to get it out quickly. So in the Old Testament, pretty much everything is a shadow and type of of Christ. It's, it's, It's a shadow of the realities that were going to be coming when Christ at the right time came into the world. So in Old Testament Israel, Israel had a big tabernacle, which was like a portable tent that had three areas, the holy place, the most holy place, and the holy of holies. And once a year, the chief priest would come in with the blood of an unspotted, unblemished lamb. There's a picture of the Lamb of God, obviously. And he would go to the Ark of the Covenant. Most of that have us, of us have heard of that from, you know, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But inside this ark that God had commissioned Israel to build that was in this Holy of Holies, only the chief priest could go once a year with blood. In it were the the slabs of the Ten Commandments. The law was in there. And then there's also a jar of manna to remember that God had provided for them. And then Aaron's staff was in there that budded. So the point is the law is in the ark. On top of the ark, This golden box is a lid that was called the mercy seat. And above the mercy seat was the presence of God. It was called the Shekinah glory. And once a year, that priest would come in with the unblemished, pure, perfect uh, blood of a lamb, and he would sprinkle it on top of the mercy seat. So the blood, it was picturing the blood of Christ intervening, coming between the law and God. And that's why when we sin after we're believers, that sin can't get through that blood. That blood has been shed and has covered us, covered all our sin. It's covered the law. And, and man, what an awesome. I never heard that before, and it just blew me away this weekend when I heard it. Yeah, that's an awesome point you both made. Uh, uh, our forgiveness of sins is based on the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, not based on what we do. And yep. the blood was shed once and for all time, like Tim, you said. And that's when, you know, we had our sins forgiven once and for all time. Um, if I may, you know, I think we are running out of time, but I want to quickly touch on, you know, maybe, you know, we can pick up later. But uh, the other aspect, you know, one camp we said, you know, they think, you know, the forgiveness of sins is only until the point of salvation. And after being saved, uh, you um, just try to get forgiveness every time you sin. And the other camp, you know, they do realize, okay, forgiveness of sins is... Um, uh, for all time, all our sins are forgiven. But again, they think, okay, yeah, it's only for salvation, right? You know, now that we are saved, 
we need to focus on something else you know we need to go back and obey focus on obeying the lord or keeping the commandments you know they again somehow go back to the law of moses but as believers you know we live by forgiveness every day in fact uh, that's where you know the the power to live the christian life comes uh as you know like uh, i think mark quoted uh, offline that you know the woman that when she came to jesus with the perfume our lord jesus says you know to whom much is forgiven the same is the one that loves much and we need this forgiveness every day because like we mentioned every day we are prone to sinning so unless we stand firm on this forgiveness and righteousness that we are made in christ jesus right we again go back in the cycle of you know sinning and trying to get forgiveness and go back in this uh, mind of condemnation constant condemnation we do something we condemn ourselves we try to do something to correct it you know that is the cycle we go in but every day we need to remember that our sins are forgiven because of the blood of lord jesus christ only when we do that uh, we actually are able to love god that's what the bible says you know to whom much is forgiven the same loves much not only we love god but we also love uh, one another and the second one forgiveness about forgiveness is in we see that in uh, 1 john chapter 4 it says you know um, perfect love casts out all fear uh, i am trying to uh, yeah 1 john chapter uh, 4 verse 18 you know for believers you know most of us we still live in anxiety and our uh, way of living is mostly driven by fear not only the fear of uh, day to day things but also deep down we have this fear of judgment and uh, bible clearly says there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love so we cannot really be made perfect in the love of our lord jesus christ until we completely understand this forgiveness and we totally and fully understand that you know there is no more punishment for us so until we know we are forgiven we cannot be delivered from the fear of punishment and until we are delivered from the fear of punishment we cannot be made perfect in love so and only when we are made perfect in love we are able to love one another and after this the immediate uh, verse that comes in uh, 1 john 19 is we love because he first loved us so in order to i think sometimes we quote this verse in isolation but it is connected there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love we love because he first loved us so the sequence of things is we understand that we are totally forgiven and then we understand there is no punishment for us when we understand there is no punishment for us we are made perfect in love and when we are made perfect in love we love yeah that's that's such an astounding truth when you contemplate it it's just surprising how many christians don't think that's enough and they add the law to it second corinthians 3 tells us that the law kills but the spirit gives life under the law under religious activity there's no fruit of forgiveness either for us or for us to extend to others because the law is just a harsh taskmaster master that condemns us. So if you're a believer out there, you're never going to fully forgive and fully love until you come out from under the law that Christ has already taken you out from under. Well, guys, 
it is time to summarize and wrap up. We've uh, come to what is the end of our regularly regular broadcast schedule. So, he has always a chance for each of you to give your summations and final thoughts. Ajay, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I would say, Tim, you know, uh, living a Christian life and living a life of joy, peace, and also life uh, or the ability to be a blessing for others has a lot to do with forgiveness of our sins. Uh, I think sometimes we just take it, uh, we give it a mental assent, but we really do not take it to our heart and do not fully understand the depth of the forgiveness. And God loved us and he gave us his son for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and in the new covenant, when the Lord Jesus Christ on the last supper, he said that this is the blood of the new covenant that was shed for the remission of our sins. So I would say daily, daily start your day understanding that you're forgiven, understanding that your sins are not an issue. They're not in um, between you and God and understanding that the punishment is behind us and understanding that, you know, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And there is so much of blessing in this and all the other things come out of this, all other blessings. Even I think we did not talk a lot about it, but uh, I personally believe, you know, as you receive the forgiveness of sins and as you um, as your conscience comes to a rest and your heart comes to peace it will also result in health blessed is the lord you know who forgives all your sins who heals all your diseases and uh, interestingly every time lord jesus christ heals someone i think uh, not every time but uh, as an example i think that applies to every healing he first said you know son thy sins be forgiven thee you know, get up and walk. So until our sins are forgiven, we cannot have the blessings of the cross or the blessings of, you know, what Lord Jesus Christ did for us. And the other thing is, you know, we also have boldness. When we understand that our sins are forgiven, we can take boldly take hold of the promises of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I say, you know, just make it daily part of your life to understand, to receive, and to be thankful and to meditate and to dwell on the forgiveness that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ through his blood. And I will sum up by completely agreeing with Ajay, which is one of the first times that's ever happened. <laughs> but it's of utmost importance to us to understand the depth of forgiveness that God has shown us at the cross, but also to realize that that depth is so deep that not only did God forgive us all sins, past, present, and future, but he's taking us out from under the system that declared us sinners in the first place. And now this new system or covenant, if you will, the grace, the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God in Christ because of his love for us. We are now children of God. We know our sin is no longer a transgression. Uh, that, that forgiveness not only removes all negative, but it floods us with the goodness and positiveness and every valuable thing Christ bought for us on the cross. Amen. Well, guys, this has been another good discussion. I'm going to close it up uh, from my angle by saying I almost titled this episode All Means All. And, you know, I can't stress enough that when Jesus died on the cross once for all, all means all. And I know we said it several times this episode. I'm fine with leaving you with this thought that 
when he forgives you your sins because you've decided to focus on him and the gift of grace, then all of your sins are forgiven. If you're an unbeliever, this cleans you. Don't wait until you think you're ready. Don't uh, try to clean yourself up. Or God knows who you are, where you are, and how you are, and he's ready to meet you exactly where you are. And if you're a believer, stop beating yourself up all the time. All means all, even tomorrow's. We, if we can focus on Jesus, we will slowly absorb that idea, that thought, that feeling, whatever you want to say, of understanding that our sins are forgiven and our relationship with God is straight all the time from that point forward. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode. And we look forward to talking to you again the next time. Tim again. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.